The Black Cauldron, 1985. After years of development and pushes from new burgeoning staff, the Black Cauldron is released amid boardroom turmoil. A bewildering object on its own merits, Cauldron is restructured at the behest of Jeffrey Katzenberg, an important name in the Renaissance who is now overseeing Disney animation under Michael Eisner. Adapting two books of a five-book series, Cauldron presents the most plot-heavy narrative the studio has attempted, as well as some of the grimmest visuals, making it baffling that Tim Burton's early concept art was not used as it heightens the fantastical elements to absurdity and softens the innate darkness of the imagery, true to his later established style. Burton's aesthetic feels distinct from Disney now, especially from the studio's 80s, but it holds much more personality than the final product of Cauldron. Still in the 90s, Disney is sheepish with Burton as the release of The Nightmare Before Christmas is shuffled to Touchstone Pictures. After test screenings of Cauldron and Katzenberg's demands for edits, the film was trimmed down and reworked, though it is hard to imagine more of this film making it much stronger. The film opens with dense narration explaining that there was once a malicious king that was overthrown and molded into the titular demonic Cauldron. The conflict of the film centers a different evil king, the Horned King, attempting to locate this cauldron to raise an undead army. The focus is on the farmhand Terran, who begins the film talking to the farm owner Dalbin about an ongoing war that the Horned King has been waging. Terran hopes to join it and be a hero to Dalbin's dismay. Terran is a young lead nearly void of personality with little motivation beyond being bored of looking after Dalbin's pig, Henwin. Still within the first 10 minutes of the film, Dalbin reveals Henwin can see the future if a magic series of words are recited while it stands over a basin of water. Dalbin demonstrates this as the vision appears in the water and it reveals that the Horned King is after both the Black Cauldron and the magic pig's power to locate it. Dalbin sends Terran off to keep the pig safe, and immediately the pig is captured by winged beasts and dragged off to the Horned King's castle. The action sequence where the pig is chased is compelling and well done, a testament to the high fantasy picture that this staff wanted to produce, but already this is the densest story Disney has tackled. The top of the screenplay unloads exposition through dialogue rather than anything visual, and it falters on delivery. The performances of these characters are stale both visually and vocally, and it quickly feels like homework to set up the other acts which feel overly simple and inconsistent. This is undoubtedly affected by Katzenberg's demands to restructure, but not singularly. Adapting two high fantasy novels into a single screenplay is a tall ask, especially when up against the simplified formulas the studio is typically built around. The Disney classics being imitated here are simple, elemental, and how they build up their conflicts and stakes. Sleeping Beauty is incredibly economical in its opening minutes that establish the entire film's conflict, but so much is done through phenomenal combinations of visuals and vocal performances. Cauldron lacks both, unable to capture the classic charm the 50s had, and still too early for the Broadway-embracing style that the Renaissance ushers in. Terran meets Gurgi, a proto-Gollum character that unfortunately never becomes more than a nuisance on screen. Terran is constantly aggravated by Gurgi until the final act in which Gurgi sacrifices himself to Terran's dismay, despite no connection built across the film, or potentially any connection they had being cut out. Terran leaves this creature behind when he enters the Horn King's castle to save his pig, but he is caught and when attempting escape, pushes the pig off the castle and into the moat. He is put in a dungeon where he meets a princess, Elanui, and the two escape and meet a bard named Fluter Flam, rounding out their fantasy party. In their escape, Terran also finds a magic sword that helps them get away. The action set pieces here are adequate, and the castle setting itself looks great, but the sequences are lacking in strong character beats, partially due to the lack of depth to Terran. His interactions with the people he is escaping with are rote, and the lead lacking compelling chemistry with the cast is a weakness of the whole film, dragging down even the moments where the visuals are at their most impressive. His personality is most engaging when he is talking to Henwin the Pig, who has a lot of visual charm. The lack of chemistry continues to be a flaw as the party meets a series of witches that trade them the cauldron for the magic sword, but not before a series of hijinks and slapstick comedy centering the bard, 
which severely contrasts the darker tone of the film overall. Before leaving, the witches explain the cauldron can only be destroyed if someone enters it as a sacrifice, and before the party acts on this, they are captured by the Horned King. The king uses the cauldron to raise an army of skeletons and potentially the most impressive visual display Disney has offered since Maleficent, though the army simply walks out of the castle, unable to have any spectacular acts before their plan is thwarted as a side effect of the edits made. Gurgi's rescue of the party and sacrifice into the cauldron allows Terran to save the day and become a hero, even if not in the way he had hoped for. An unwieldy project from the start, the production of The Black Cauldron resulted in a disjointed and baffling film that, despite some stark visuals and ideas, falls flat and rings hollow. The film was a financial failure, which to Katzenberg is proof of his own instincts, as he calls shots for the studio for another decade into the Renaissance. While character interaction is lacking in the final cut, the performances are not strong enough to assume the original versions would solve all the problems present. But regardless, Cauldron is an object that is incredibly indicative of the relationship between the studio and management now that Katzenberg and Eisner are involved. Next up, The Great Mouse Detective, 1987. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays. You can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload. And there you will find in-text citations and works cited and share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading.